You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. How is everyone? Everyone good? Great. I'm good. Thank you for asking. No, I'm great. Thank you. No, it's really, it's really, uh, it's really good to be here and to be able to have an opportunity to share. And when I found out, when Tyler asked me, he said, oh, can you speak on this date? I'm on holiday, but can you speak, you know? I was like, um, yes, but then it was a process, and I think it's always a process in time to understand the right word and what God wants to share in the moment. And um, this morning, I have a topic that I've shared before, but not here. I actually shared it at IBTI a few years ago. But as soon as, it was a couple of meetings ago, and it was suddenly, as I was sitting, I was sitting in the second row here, and suddenly I had the same line come into my mind. And it was like, this is what you need to say. This is what you need to share on. So, really, the title of what I'm sharing is actually a question. Um, I've got a PowerPoint that will help guide us as well. And it's uh, a question that is, are we living above the line? Now, you see... Straight away, I've actually, I was away in London this week and I was with a friend and I was sharing with him some thoughts and I, and I, I was saying, yeah, this week I've got this question, are we living above the line? And straight away, he was asking questions, which is great because it's a question that provokes further questions, isn't it? Because straight away you're looking at, it, looking at it and you're thinking, well, what does it mean? What is the line, the line that is being suggested? How am I living? What's below the line and what's above the line? You see, like I said, it was this, it's a topic that has um, stirred in my heart, and, uh, but it has one that is re-emerged from a few, a few years ago. It's reignited in my heart, and it's a message that has transformed. So what you're hearing is not what I shared three years ago because there's no transformation there, is there? It's just like three years old, doesn't mean it's not relevant. But the great thing is, God has been transforming it within me as I've been looking into it again. It has expanded. It has become deeper. And it one that still challenges me. And I hope it will be a challenge for us as we look into it together. My hope is that it will serve as an encouragement for us a stirring of the heart. It was something that we prayed this morning. God, will you stir our hearts? Will you renew our minds? We want to gain deeper understanding. I hope you want to gain deeper understanding this morning. So I have an image I want to share for you. It's the next slide. And as you can see here, these are just some examples. Kingdom of heaven. The stranglehold of the earth. Spiritual realm, the physical realm being led by faith, being deceived by sight. Grace, ungrace. I looked that up, apparently it's not a word, but I'm using it this morning. You can have ungraceful, but you can't have ungrace, but I'm using it. Being a light consumed by darkness, or belief, or doubt. Now really, there are two great distinctions that are being made here. And that is the kingdom of God or the pull and grip of the world. 
the spiritual state of mind or the physical state of mind. And this morning I want us to look at an example of one man which I believe will shed more insight into this whole topic, who is Paul. Now Paul, Paul's journey is one that can truly inspire us. As he was a man, if you read about Paul, he was a man that was first against God, but then was transformed to being a man completely sold out for God. And I have a few key points I wish to go over with you that I feel are fundamental to this point of living above the line. So if you want to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to read from, 12, from verse 12 to 17. It will, again, it will come up on the screen. And it says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want to unpack this because I believe what I saw in here were some key points that will help us understand this, this question that provokes us to ask more questions. And the first thing is found in verse 14, and it's the grace. It's that word, grace. So next slide, if you will, Giovanni. An understanding, appreciation, and daily attitude of the heart. Because when we look at grace, grace is so big that I really could spend this whole morning and plus more on speaking about grace, but I just, I just can't do that. So this is why I've put some sub-points, an understanding, appreciation, and daily attitude of the heart. And if we look at that first one, an understanding. It's the next one. And it says, you see, an understanding of grace. It's difficult, isn't it? But I see it as vitally important that we endeavor to understand the depths of grace. Because in doing so, it will bring us into a deeper relationship with God. Now, I believe we all have a concept or personal understanding. I have my own concept of the grace of God. I think, you know, like I said, we all do. However, when I was looking deeper into this, I personally realized that I, I really didn't know anything about grace. My understanding was really minute. It was thin. It was weak. I knew that God had died for me. But really, I didn't understand the depths 
of that. And so as I began to look into this, I began to discover some amazing characteristics of God. Now, I don't know whether any of you have read the book, What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey, but it's one that I'm currently reading at the moment. And it's really an inspiring read. Um, but in there, Philip, um, he quotes from another man called, I hope I say it right, Lewis, it's either Lewis Smedes or Lewis Smedes. I don't know, this is his quote. And he's unpacking grace in a very simple way. I love this because he's saying, first, God rediscovers the humanity of a person who wronged him by removing the barrier created by sin. Second, God surrenders his right to get even, choosing instead to bear the cost on his own body. And finally, God revises his feelings towards us, finding a way to justify us so that when he looks upon us, he sees his own adopted children with his divine image restored. God did not know what it was like to be tempted until he came to earth and experienced it through Jesus. He rediscovered the humanity of a person who wronged him. God is sovereign. We are human. We don't have any concept of what it's like to be sovereign. But God came to this, came through Jesus to earth, and he discovered what it was like to be tempted. You see, God has every right to punish us, but he chooses instead to pour out grace, faith, and love and bear the weight of our sin on his own body. He opened the doors to a new relationship with the Father. And it's through our choosing of wanting that relationship that we can be justified before him, transformed, given new life, hope by being accepted as his adopted children. But if we go back to the statement of Paul in Timothy, we can see that he was a man that truly understood the depths of God. The depths of grace. He was strong to suggest that he was the worst sinner. You can see that in verse 13. But he recognized that God's mercy, being that grace, was only poured out because of his ignorance and unbelief. It leads me, if you go forward, it leads me to say a very strong statement. Because if you look at that, God's mercy and grace was poured out because of his ignorance and his unbelief. And I was looking in a couple of commentaries and both of them said that, similarly, that it leads to say that God would not be merciful or gracious towards us if we knowingly sin against him. And that's very strong. I was challenged by that. I was like, so God's grace will not be poured out on me if I knowingly go against him, sin against him. That's powerful. So surely that should lead me to lead my life in a different way. Understanding the depths of grace should in turn stir us to lead our life above the line. 
no longer taking God's grace for granted, but instead moving forward, living with and showing an appreciation for that very grace poured out in us. That's my next sub-point, an appreciation. Again, like I said, I was reading this book about what's so amazing about grace. And Philip Yancey quotes that in some ways we are all abominations to God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet somehow, against all reason, God loves us anyhow. Grace declares that we are still God's pride and joy. I was beginning to get very moved at this point. Grace declares that we, that me, that you and I are all God's pride and joy. Paul, in his statement in Timothy, was showing an appreciation for the grace of God. In verse 15 and 16, he was saying, here's a trustworthy saying, that deserves full acceptance. Now, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. He was like saying, I am the worst, yet God saved me. To live above the line requires us to live in full acceptance and appreciation of the grace the scandal of grace God freely covered us with. It's not enough to say, I've got my ticket, but in fact to live our lives reflecting that appreciation. Chris shared on this a couple of weeks ago, he's saying how we've all got something to do. It's not enough to say, I've got my ticket so I can sit back and enjoy the ride. It's a fact to stand up to be an example, to lead the way. And this is what it's calling about. Through understanding, appreciating God's grace, it should stir us to stand up, to move on, to to live in a different way than how we were before. That appreciation should shape our daily attitude. Paul's life was transformed by grace completely transformed. He gives a statement that I think is the epitome of what our daily attitude should be, and it's found in Acts 20, 24. And it says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. It's a very powerful statement. Once Paul had understood the depths of grace, he in turn appreciated it all the more. But then, more than this, he began to pour this out in everyday life through his testimony above all else. You read many accounts here, we were saying like how God transformed his life. Now I know others should too. It's not just for me to know, but for everybody to know. Our daily attitude, our mindsets, 
our actions, our speech should be an outpouring of grace, should it not? We should be living to stand out, to be an example, to go against the grain, to in turn draw attention to a life that's above the line of the norm. That's, this world that we live in is trying to strangle us, if I could be so blunt. Because right from the time you were born, it's like there's an expectation of a line and way that you should live and follow. You have to go to school, you have to get an education. From education, you can go into further education. From that education, you can go to university, get even more education. We should land you a very good job. You can earn loads of money, live a happy life, maybe have a family and some kids, and then die. Beautiful. But God is like saying there's more than this. There's more to life than this. I love what Paul said when he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I continue to tell myself that time and time again. Because like it's, it's, that should be my attitude. I consider my life worth nothing to me. It's not about me. It's to stand. I need to stand to be selfless, not selfish. You know? God's way, not my way, not me, very cheesy, but me, but we. I don't think I can really do the grace of God justice. So I'm going to move on. I think we've got a little bit more understanding here. But if we go back to look in Timothy, there's something else that we can see, because he was saying, as well as grace, if you look in verse 14, he said, the grace of, of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So we're going to move on to faith. Like I said, with grace, faith is another big, big topic. I've kind of covered, I've got big, big points here, grace, faith, and love. But if we look at faith, and like I said here, it's moving in the assurance of God. How many of you would say that Paul was a man that moved in assurance with God? Yeah, I believe so. You know, if you haven't read about the life of Paul, I encourage you to do so because there are continual lessons we can pick out, great examples of how we should be living faith in action. But this has been shared before, so I'm going to share it again. If we look, turn to Hebrews 11, 1-3, it kind of shares with us what faith is. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, 
we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Faith sets us apart from everybody else. Grace, love and faith have been poured out on us and so we should not continue in our normal pattern but instead move in a different realm. I've heard many of my friends, especially when I was at school and when I was first gave my life to God and started to walk in this way, and they were like saying, well, I need to see it to believe it. I need to see God to believe that he's there. They were like saying, seeing is believing. But I've discovered that seeing is quite often deceiving. We can often fall into this mindset, and I, I, I have fallen into this again sometimes, and it's that we will only believe something to be true if we witness it firsthand. But then it's like, how is this different to anybody else in the world? We kind of, we make judgments from what we see. We make our assumptions by how we see well, how many times I've been wrong when I've like seen, maybe seen someone, I've made my assumptions, then got to know somebody and been completely wrong about them. Seeing is not always believing. God has set us apart to be different. See, our faith should not only enrich our lives and build our relationship with God, but should shout out to everybody else in this world. Set apart to be different. Those of you that have been in this church for quite some time, I remember when I was when I was younger, I heard that people said faith is a risk. They said that, that that's what faith is. It's risk. You don't know what's going to happen, but that's faith. I was thinking, that's, that's good. That's all well and good. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, there's, there's a little bit of immaturity in that, isn't there? Because it's like, you've got to be mature in your faith. You know, there's a faith to say go and there's a faith to say wait. And I, I was, there's another book that I had read a little while ago, and it's, I think it's called The Unstoppable, and it's from a, a man called Nick Wojcic. I don't know if you know the man, but he's a, He's a, he's a man that has a great ministry going all around the world, um, bringing a message of hope, love, faith, and all these. But he's a man that has no arms and no legs. And it's incredible when you look at his life, how he brings this message of hope, having lived through it and understood it himself. <clears throat> but he puts it like this. He says, faith is full assurance in the heart. That's what faith is. And I can I was thinking, actually, that speaks louder to me. Full assurance in the heart. I have full assurance in my God. So I won't be afraid in where I'm walking to. I have full assurance in the heart that God is with me. So it doesn't matter what anybody else says against me or says against what I believe, I'm still going to walk in this way. 
I mean, in James 2.17, it says, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, is dead. So it's one thing to say, I have faith in God. There's a difference between living that out, saying and doing, I have faith. If you have faith, you need to walk in it. Full assurance in the heart that God is with you. We need to stop finding earthly solutions to spiritual challenges. How, how, how often have you been in a situation and you're just like, I just cannot work it out. I just don't know how to get out, you know, or I don't know how to get through this. I don't understand. I'm trying, you're trying to work it out. But then maybe it clicks. You're thinking, well, maybe there's something more to this. Maybe I'm not the one that should understand this. Maybe I should trust in God, put my faith in him, and he will guide me through this. Quite often I've been in a situation, and it's only once I've gone through it, I look back, that I can see the lesson that God was trying to teach me. So we've got the grace of God, understanding it, appreciating it, but then how it should shape our daily attitude. And then we've got faith, having full assurance in the heart, knowing that God is with you in everything that you do. No matter what anybody says against you. But then we've got my third point, love. I said here it's more than a feeling. It's an outpouring. Love is a word that we can say or hear hundreds of times a day. Especially in the English language. I know it's different. Like in Italian, they have different ways of saying love. Maybe in Spanish as well, I guess, I know. But in English, we just have love. And we can use it on everything. I love this food that I'm eating. I love this color. I love the weather. Maybe not today. I love this, I love that, etc., etc., etc. That it kind of loses its impact, its depth. See, what we have as an understanding of love is a natural love. But God's love is spiritual. And so we got this great divide of spiritual love versus natural love. So again, when we went back to verse 14 in Timothy, when Paul was speaking, you know, saying how grace was poured out in him, along with faith and love. So love was poured out into him, so we cannot assume that the love that we're looking at is natural. We've got to look at it and say, well, this love must be spiritual because it's poured out from God. Now, I've heard this next, this next scripture so many times. I, know, I don't know where you, but sometimes I've been falling into that trap of thinking when I've heard something time and time and time again, I'm like, I've heard this before. Move on. You know, but sometimes I looked at it and I'm thinking, well, actually, 
If I keep on hearing it, maybe it's something God wants to say to me. You know? Or maybe it's something that's for me, you know, that I'm not seeing, that maybe this is why it keeps on being spoken. If we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, again, this is like an understanding of love. You've got it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud, not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. But I'm thinking, this love, if we're looking at this, this is no way can this be a natural love because I know in my natural state I fail at this. It has to be a spiritual love. So if you, if you reword it, it and say a person filled with love, so a person filled with love is patient. A person filled with love is kind. It's not natural. We cannot do this in our own strength because I fail time and time again. Am I always patient? I've been told I am. Test, test, test me. That does. Am I always kind? Well, you can be the judge of that. Am I envious? I have been. Have I boasted? I think I have. Am I proud? I've kind of done that before as well. Am I self-seeking? What did you think of this? Do you like what I did? You know, that kind of thing, you know. What do you think of me? Am I easily angered? I'm not easily angered, so maybe I can take that one off. Do I keep record of wrongs? It's difficult, isn't it? We cannot do this in our natural state. We have to live in the likeness of Christ, pouring out his spiritual love on everyone around us. God's spiritual love is selfless. Man's natural love is selfish. That's difficult. And I'm thinking it's true, actually. When you're saying love, I love, oh, I, oh, it's me, isn't it? I love this. So it's looking at how it, how it gratifies me. When you're saying love is patient, you're pouring out patience, and that's love. It's not for you, because being patient could be difficult. But you're sharing love with somebody else that's receiving that. That's a difference. I'm so thankful that Hannah shared this this morning in Romans 5, 7 to 8. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were unworthy of the love, yet he poured it out. So who are we to then say, somebody else is unworthy of my love to pour out on them? Because Christ did that for us. Doesn't it say in Matthew, you know, to love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you? And again, I found this quote, and it's from a woman called Dorothy Day. And it was just like, it was like a, you know when you have those moments where it's like a light bulb clicking over your head thinking, 
Uh, okay, now I understand. And she says, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. I really love God as much as I love the person I love the least. It's powerful words, isn't it? Now, straight away, I'm asking the question, who do I love the least? Because if I love them the least, then I need to love them more, <laughs> you know? So we've had grace. We've had love. We've had faith. I could share so much more about living above the line, but I think this is key, fundamental. But I want to, to share an, ec an extract here from, this is a book, this was my nan's book. It's called Trefoil Readings. I think she was in the, in the, the guides, if you know the guides or scouts, you have that in England. But she gave this to me um, shortly, you know, shortly before she died. Because she, she was saying to me, can you read this out, like read an extract from this at my funeral? And again, it sparked in my mind, you know, that was five, five years ago, but it sparked in my mind now, and it's the same, very same thing that I want to share. And I think it will completely kind of cover everything I've said, shared this morning. You may have heard it before, you may not, but it's called Heaven's Grocery Store. And this is what it says. It says, I was walking down life's highway a long time ago. One day I saw a sign that said Heaven's Grocery Store. As I got a little closer, the door came open wide. When I came to myself, I was standing inside. I saw a host of angels. They were standing everywhere. One handed me a basket and said, my child shot with care. Everything a Christian needed was in that grocery store. And all you couldn't carry, you could come back the next day for more. First, I got some patience. Love was in the same row. Further down was understanding. You need that everywhere you go. I got a box or two of wisdom, a bag or two of faith. I just couldn't miss the Holy Ghost, for it was all over the place. I stopped to get some strength and courage to help me run this race. By then, my basket was getting full, but I remembered I needed some grace. I didn't forget salvation for salvation, that was free. So I tried to get enough of that to save both you and me. Then I started up the counter to pay my grocery bill, for I thought I had everything to do my master's will. As I went up the aisle, I saw prayer, and I just had to put that in, for I knew when I stepped outside, I would run right into sin. Peace and joy were plentiful, they were on the last shelf. Song and praises were hanging near, so I just helped myself. Then I said to the angel, how much do I owe? He just smiled and said, just take them everywhere you go. Again, I smiled at him and said, how much now do I really owe? He smiled again and said, my child, Jesus paid your bill a long, long time ago. And this, when I was looking at this, I was like, 
Just take them everywhere you go. Through God's grace and love, through him laying it all down for us, he's made all these things, patience, love, joy, happiness, available for us in abundance. But it's not just for us. It's for us to take wherever we go so that we can share with everybody we meet. For me, that's what living above the line is. Set apart. Taking what was poured out into us freely and freely giving it to others. I don't know about you this morning. I don't know whether you've been in that place where you're like, I struggle with this. I struggle with faith. Because I often am a person that likes to see something before I do it. I struggle with pouring out love. And this morning, I think it's important that we have this time of reflection, of gratitude, of thanks, of appreciation, of seeking God. If, you, if you've not been thankful for the grace, this is an opportunity just to spend some time and say, God, thank you. We sung that, that song, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for the cross that you have carried. Thank you for your blood that was shed. It just says thank you time and time again. Maybe this is a time where you're like, I, I, I need to rediscover my faith. Or it's like, God, help me to share the love that you so freely poured out on me. And I want to give that opportunity that if, if you want to receive prayer this morning, we will pray with you. But let us spend time now in reflection. Chris, I don't know if you want to come up and, and play. Maybe ask yourself the question, am I living above the line? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk